Talent Talk Tuesdays is all about harnessing your God-given talents to live with greater clarity, purpose, and joy. You are wonderfully made, my friends. May all we do be for God's glory. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today on Talent Talk Tuesdays, I'll be talking about part nine of this 10-part series based on my free ebook, 10 Ways Your Talents Can Transform Your Life. Last week in episode 39, I talked about ditching false shame, which is about being able to identify and appreciate your God-given gifts for greater confidence, clarity of purpose, and above all, love for the creator of those beautiful gifts. And that helps us to compare the reality with the falsehoods that we unnecessarily tend to carry around in our lives. So today I'm talking about a ninth way your talents can transform your life by helping you ditch false prudence. But first, I'd like to say a few words about actual prudence, which is a good thing. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 1806 tells us this. Prudence is the virtue that disposes practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. So it's a thinking virtue. It's about making solid moral choices which require both clarity and integrity. Going a little further into paragraph 1806, the Catechism makes the point that prudence, quote, is not to be confused with timidity or fear. Not to be confused with timidity or fear. In fact, the CCC tells us that the Latin nickname for prudence, I loved finding this, is, and I may not be pronouncing it correctly, origa virtutum, which means the charioteer of the virtues. I love that. That's a strong, assertive image. So prudence is not being about being timid or overscrupulous. It's about seeing everything in relationship to God's ways and being able to distinguish right from wrong in order to act decisively. The Catechism wraps up by saying, with the help of this virtue, we apply moral principles to particular cases without error and overcome doubts about the good to achieve and the evil to avoid. True prudence, as you can see, is a virtue that leads to action. The true good to achieve and the evil to avoid. This is, this is about actively making choices. So again, it's not a timid virtue. It's a thoughtful and determined virtue. It wants to do God's will in all things, not just think about them, but to think and act decisively. But sometimes in our efforts to be prudent and discerning, we can make a common mistake and get stuck in procrastination and indecision and start to fall into the trap of defaulting to an attitude of, well, I don't know for sure if this is exactly what God wants, so it's probably more prudent to wait on the Lord to make it super obvious what I'm supposed to do. And there is some wisdom in that. I'm not mocking you or myself. Um, most of you who have been listening uh, to this show have been in conversation with God for many years, and you can recognize the patterns of how he specifically communicates with you. And so it's natural to be looking for those patterns. Will he confirm things this time the way he has in the past? And that's spot on. He really is developing a unique relationship with you. Doesn't mean he never surprises you, for sure. But those patterns are important. But there does come a point where God expects us to take action and not get stuck in a false prudence that traps us in timidity or fear. That fearfulness of making a mistake that's often connected with wounds from our past. And we all struggle with fears of failing or even succeeding, of losing other people's approval or support. Just the riskiness of doing something new and different can give us pause, right? That's perfectly natural. 
But our spiritual enemy loves to stick his salty finger right in those old wounds and trick us into living in fear and hesitation instead of in hope and expectation. But how many times does scripture tell us, be not afraid, do you know? <laughs> I bet there's somebody out there listening that knows the answer. These words, be not afraid, appear in the Bible 365 times, once for every day of the year. <laughs> so if we have done all we can to discern, it's time to take a shot at what we think God wants from us and take action. And if nothing is going well and we're feeling like our actions are being blocked, then yes, we surrender it all to him and wait for him to act on our behalf. But let's be clear, waiting on the Lord does not mean inaction. It means devotion. It means love. Listen to what Blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman wrote about waiting on the Lord, and especially listen for the verbs. This is a very active kind of waiting. It's not passive. Here he goes. They then watch and wait for their Lord, who are tender and sensitive in their devotion towards him, who feed on the thought of him, hang on his words, live in his smile, and thrive and grow under his hand. End quote. So waiting on the Lord happens at all times in all circumstances. It's a disposition of the heart and the mind. It means that we attend to him as the greatest love of our lives, as we live and grow and thrive. God is the only one who can truly know us, comfort us, and save us. So we wait on him while we work and we pray and we make decisions. And sometimes we literally do wait, just press pause, because we're not in a state of peace about a major decision, and that is appropriate. St. Ignatius in his spiritual exercises counsels the believer to avoid making any changes during a time of spiritual desolation. And here's how he defines that. He says, I call desolation darkness of soul, turmoil of spirit, inclination to what is low and earthly, restlessness rising from many disturbances and temptations which lead to want of faith, want of hope, want of love. The soul is wholly slothful, tepid, sad, and separated, as it were, from its creator and Lord." End quote. We all go through this at some point. I've been through it many times. It's part of our earthly pilgrimage to struggle, and we have times when we are basically inconsolable and doubting God's love for us. And St. Ignatius is saying, that at a time of desolation, that's the worst time to make changes. We often do that. We think we'll feel better if we do some drastic new thing. You know, break up with your boyfriend or, I don't know, move to another state. But the desolation is the worst time to make a major decision. Even some small decisions can have ripple effects. It doesn't mean that you just sit still and wait for it to go away. When we're in a state of hopelessness, uh, we need to do something about it but not making big changes in our lives. So when we're in a state of hopefulness and a, and a desire to please God, in other words, when we change our attitude, if we want to please God, even if we feel awful, when we're regularly confessing our sins, receiving Holy Communion, feeding on the Word of God, even if we're still suffering, even if we're in that dark place, which, let's face it, is kind of a lot of the time that at least we're suffering, even if we're not in a dark night of the soul, which is a really big, deep thing. 
But there's a big difference between persevering and suffering and falling into desolation, kind of losing faith, losing hope. And when desolation hits us, and it does, we must recommit ourselves to prayer and meditation on God's word, his living word. These are love letters to us. We've got to be active in pushing back as an act of faith, an act of the will against desolation. We must ask the Lord for help and trust that he provides it. We may not feel it immediately, but he provides it. And ask other people to pray for you. I always get such a spiritual lift when I ask others to pray for me. Okay, so make that effort, especially when things are darkest and the desolation will pass. And that act of the will of choosing to trust God and his love for us, especially when it's hardest to have faith, when you just don't feel loved, when you feel like everything disproves God's love, that happens. The enemy can really get in our heads and life can be very hard when it's hardest to feel any assurance of God's love. Then when we say, Jesus, I trust in you, without any real hope or any feel or any real conviction at all, that's a heroic moment. Understand that. Just because you don't feel it, but you choose to say it with an act of your will, that is a heroic moment. That matters to God. Oh, that really matters. And it opens the floodgates of grace in your life. And when your peace is restored in God's good time, and you have discerned as best you can, then take action. Have confidence in the Lord to guide you as you move forward out of a desire to be obedient and to please him. So if you're still discerning something, something that means you're still gathering information, consulting your spouse or religious superior or your spiritual director or a combination of those things, you're deliberating on how this action you are contemplating aligns with the faith and morals of the church. You're asking yourself, is this appropriate to my state in life? You're asking great questions when you're really discerning, right? And God will be faithful to answer them. Or, or maybe you're doing a novena and giving God time to act on something that you can't do anything about. Maybe the conversion that you're praying for and someone you love, or that job that you're looking for, whatever it is that you've done what you can do, and now you're surrendering it. Because it's true, sometimes it's just not time to make a decision, it's time to surrender. But be watchful for false prudence. We can wait too often and too long. And there comes a point in our lives where God is asking us to take a step. And that step might just be a little tiny leap of faith. Sometime read the book of Judges, chapter 6. I love talking about Gideon. He's one of my favorite characters in the whole Bible. Um, and again, that's Judges, chapter 6. There's a certain point where Gideon's fears of leading a small band of basically Jewish farmers against an overwhelming pagan army. And this is an army that's been having victory after victory. They're a seasoned, you know very tight professional army. His fears are running completely wild and God tells him, go in the strength you have. Am I not with you? I've shortened the quote a little because he basically says, go in the strength you have and destroy the Midianite army and free Israel. And you know, he really gives him a battle, you know, gives him his objectives. He doesn't give him the battle plan. But then he ends it, the statement by saying, by asking him this question, am I not with you? In other words, don't you have some faith there? You're heading into what looks like you're completely outnumbered and can't win. I'm asking you to take action. I'm asking you to trust me. And the point is that understanding our natural talents 
yes, it's all connected, shows us the strengths that we had. He said, did Gideon go in the strength that you have? Those are things I've given you. I'm with you. I've made you for this. And those strengths can give us wonderful clues to God's purposes in our lives, and they can become lenses through which we can discern even better and make meaningful choices about our lives. So we don't get stuck waiting for someone else's approval or waiting, as I used to, for an angel to arrive with a scroll. <laughs> I used to joke long ago, and I'm dating myself, that I wished God would just send me a morning fax. Just tell me what to do and when to do it, and I'll do it. I'll just cross things off the list one at a time and we'll be golden, Lord. <laughs> My heart was in the right place in terms of wanting to please God, but I was missing the point of the intellect and free will that God gave me to help me learn to discern, to trust him, and take action as best I can. Our walk with God is not a factory assembly line. It's an adventure. And the way is not always clear. In fact, it rarely is. He'll show us one or two steps ahead, and that's it when he shows us anything at all. So we're going to need to be ready to take a few risks and trust that God's got this. My dear friend Michelle says that every day, and now I do too. God's got this. He's helping us every step of the way, and he never leaves us. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You hear that? You're taking action. It might not be perfect action. He makes your paths straight. He draws straight with our crooked lines. So it's okay to do your best and not be perfect. But he's given us so much inside ourselves to guide us. The Ten Commandments, the moral teachings of the church, our vocations. Not many of us receive a visitation from an angel with a scroll and detailed instructions. So we have to do our best to keep our eyes on Jesus and do the best we can. But do it. Move forward. Live the life you've been given with the strengths that you have. Long ago, St. Augustine gave a homily that people often quote by saying, love God and do what you will. And it's a pretty accurate quote. He actually did say that. But it's hard to understand out of context, and it gets misused. St. Augustine was actually exhorting Christians to have a radical commitment to living in God's love, because God himself is love. And St. Augustine explained that if we love God, really love him, we will live in profound obedience to him. And then all that we want will be ordered toward him. Love him and do what you want. All that we want is ordered toward him, so our desires become, in that love for him, pure and holy. Love God and do what you will. It's absolutely not about self-indulgence or any kind of licentiousness or sin. It's a joyful thing. It's living in love, and it's founded in willing obedience to God's laws, which are all pathways to his heart. So here's what I wrote in my ebook in paragraph eight about this idea of false prudence. Knowing our own design makes room for the Holy Spirit to bring us his spirit of power and love and self-control. And that's from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. And it goes on to say, we are not meant to simply wait for the Lord to clarify every single detail of our lives before we take action. God more easily steers a moving boat, a friend of mine is fond of saying. 
Our actions don't have to be perfect, but our trust in God as we do our best to step out and move forward will be greatly rewarded with grace, with learning, and with new opportunities to love and to serve. Gradually, we learn to partner our capabilities with our deepest core values, harness them to achieve our prayer-fueled dreams, and stand in the authenticity and beauty of our individual design." End quote. So ultimately, this is about obedience to God, including in his design of your being as a pathway to God's glory. And of course, when you have a big decision, pray fast, consult your advisors, reflect in the word of God, pray without ceasing, adoration, rosary, liturgy of the hours, wherever God typically speaks to you with the greatest clarity. But also look at how you've been wonderfully designed and purposed by God. Those are also ways that he speaks to us, gives us clues, and offers us a roadmap of sorts. It's not as, as with everything with God, it's a bit mysterious, but you can find out so much. And then step forward into your life with the humble boldness of a child of God. And believe me, I'm telling myself this as much as I'm telling you. In the last year, oh my gosh. God has pulled me into several new commitments when I was already too busy and wondering how I was going to handle it all. In each case, I was not clear at first if I was to act immediately or not, was this for now or later, and I delayed and delayed. But I knew, yes, I knew without doubt that he was speaking to me. The signs were all there, those patterns of communication, right? In my prayers, in my spiritual reading, and conversations with others, the most amazing things were happening that were confirming signs. I was even pretty sure what he was asking me to do, and I could even find a desire in my heart for doing those things. But I resisted like crazy, <laughs> terrified of doing something imprudent as if God would ask me to do something that would harm me or threaten my marriage. But these fears haunted me. And in each case, and there were several in the past year, I ran around over discerning and worrying and wondering if I was mishearing him and about to make a terrible mistake. And this went on for months. But in every case, when I finally said yes, I found peace, joy, and here's a cool surprise, other people, wonderful people who wanted to help me to lighten my load. And even as I yoked myself to God's will, which at first had seemed too much for me, but the support of my husband and family at that point just flowed like water and other parts of my life got lighter and the new things fed my soul and got me through other things that were hard and my life got even better. And I'm getting to know my talents better too. And the more I use them in these new ways, the happier I am, the more joyful in my service to others. And he's telling me there's still a whole lot more ahead. <laughs> but for the first time in a few years, I am really calm. And I know without a doubt that God's got this. And knowing that, I realize that while I need to discern and be prudent about everything, it's actually more prudent to say yes to him quickly than to dither and worry and delay. And I need to get better at trusting that he is faithful, he is present, and that everything he asks me to do with my time, my energy, my talents, draws me deeper into his heart. God knows what we need. He has equipped us, and he is calling us to wait on him, yes, with our whole hearts and souls and talents and will, 
and to act on the designs and purposes that he has woven into our being. <laughs> I know it's a lot to think about, but it's your adventure with God. And it probably won't look anything like mine, but it will be more and more wonderful as you move out of timidity and fear and into action. It's your holy adventure. Don't miss it. This week, I have a suggestion. Think about spending some time in prayer, asking God to show you what you've been discerning too long. And ask for the grace to take action. Maybe it's just a small step, but to take action. And if you want, let me know what you're learning. I would love to hear from you. I really love getting your emails. My goodness, you are wonderfully made, my friends. <laughs> Reach out to me if you like at lisa at wonderfullymade139.com. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me too. God bless you.